Hey, my name is Fernie. I'm the pastor here at Mid City Church, and I'm uh, excited to welcome you to our last uh, sermon cast of 2023. We're talking about uh, Mary and the Magnificat. And so uh, this is a very insider joke. You have to already know what the Magnificat is. But I, I heard this joke about, uh, you know, the song, Mary, Did You Know? Uh, it's the song uh, is basically mansplaining to Mary what she proclaims in the Magnificat. Now, I find it funny because I'm a theology nerd. Hope you find it funny. But anyway, get ready because here we go. months ago, we made plans for my parents to come and visit us for Christmas. Now, at first, I didn't get my hopes up because many times we've talked about it, and then the plans never really come to fruition. See, in my mind, it's just a bunch of talk until the plane tickets are bought. See, it's happened many times that we make all of these plans and arrangements, and we even get our hopes up. But then when we finally try to get the tickets, the plane tickets, the prices are so astronomical that we end up shrugging our shoulders and we tell ourselves, maybe next year will be different. And of course, they rarely are. Except for this year. About a month ago, my mom found plane tickets for sale, so we bought them. And then we used the same sale to buy my dad tickets so that he could come and meet uh, Abby, meet our daughter Abby. Then my sister let me know that she had booked a hotel room for when they were in town. Now, I'm not going to lie, I got a little giddy once all of these things got put into place because suddenly I knew without a doubt that we would be celebrating Christmas together. See, ever since I got the news that everyone was coming, I started planning and we started cleaning the house and planning things out and buying tickets to events and so much more. Uh, just to hear the news that they were all actually coming was enough to make me move forward as if they already as if they were already here with us for the holidays. The proclamation of their plans made me start planning for the future with great joy and anticipation, while uh, also giving me hope uh, until they actually get here. Now, in many ways, this is exactly what the Advent season is about. It's the moment when it is announced to all the world that through Jesus, God's kingdom is coming and everything that goes against that kingdom is about to be turned upside down. Let me explain. Up until this point in scripture, the Israelites have been living under Roman rule. And while our history, history books may teach of all the good things that came from Roman rule, and there were plenty of them, for the Israelites, they were living oppressed lives. They were being taxed heavily. They were limited in what they could do. They were governed with strict rules, and they had to live their lives balanced between their allegiance to God and Rome's expected allegiance. On top of this, those in power lived good lives. The rich had access to money, travel, resources, but everyone else was left to make the best of life with what little they had. Life may have been good for some, Others knew that it could get better. And it's in the midst of uh, this life, of this uh, context, that the angel appears to Mary and says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, on the surface, it may sound like the angel is giving special news, uh, uh, no special news other than the fact that she's going to give birth to a child. But if you dive deeper, you realize that this news that Mary has just received is actually the moment when it is announced to all the world that through this child named Jesus, God's kingdom is coming and everything that goes against that kingdom is about to be turned upside down. Now, eventually the angel leaves Mary and her reaction was to worship God through a song called the Magnificat. Now, a little bit of background. In the scripture, there are four different times when a woman stops and begins to sing. Now, all four of these happen right after uh, the Israelites experience some sort of liberation or freedom uh, from oppression. So, for instance, the first is Miriam in Exodus chapter 15, verses 20 and 21. Uh, she sings after the Israelites cross over the Red Sea and the Egyptian army is defeated. The second is Deborah in Judges chapter 5, after their army defeats the Canaanites who had ruled oppressively over them for about 20 years. The third is Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Hannah breaks out in song after praying for years to be able to conceive a child. She begins to sing after finding out that she will give birth to a child named Samuel. Now, the fourth uh, is Mary. It comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 45, 47 through 55. Uh, and and uh, Mary begins to sing after being told by the angel that she is going to give birth to a child. Now, this one's a little different because in the other three, liberation has already happened. In this one, it's going to happen. So I want you to listen to what she says. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowly state of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Okay, it may not sound like much, but this is such a powerful song through which Mary makes it extremely clear that the status quo of society is about to change and that nothing will ever be the same. See, it, it's easy to miss, but through this song, this Magnificat, uh, Mary speaks of five reversals that Jesus will be bringing to society. Okay, so let's talk about these. The first reversal is that the lowly are worthy of being used by God. See, at the time, it was the ones with wealth and power that were thought of as being used by God. But now, an unmarried woman living in a poor and military-occupied country is being used by God. So that's the first reversal. The second reversal is that those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations will be scattered and humbled. In other words, those who abuse their power will be humbled and will be put in their place. The third reversal is that God will bring down the powerful and raise up those without status or rights. So basically, all these Israelites who have lived under the oppression of Roman officials and so many others will now be raised up. The fourth reversal is that God will fill the hungry with good things and send the rich away empty-handed. 
Now, this reversal stands out to me because Mary lived in a world where the middle class did not really exist. So imagine what a powerful reversal this is, that this dichotomy is about to be turned upside down. The fifth and final reversal is that despite all the pain and suffering that the Israelites have experienced, God is about to extend aid and mercy to them and bring them out of their suffering. Okay, so let's put all of this into context. So the angel Gabriel appears before Mary and tells her that God has chosen her to give birth to Jesus, who would bring about God's kingdom on earth. Now, as a response to this good news, Mary begins to either sing or some people say, pray these words, pray the Magnificat. And while she begins by thanking God for what God is and will continue to do through her, she ends the Magnificat by proclaiming these five reversals that we just talked about. Now, I want you to notice something powerful here as she proclaims these reversals. I want you to listen to this prayer one more time. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowly state of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Now, I don't know if you caught it. But I think that the most powerful thing about this song, about this uh, prayer, this Magnificat, is the tense through which Mary proclaims this good news. See, she doesn't say God will show strength. She says he has shown strength. She doesn't say that God will scatter the proud. She says he has scattered the proud. It doesn't say that he will bring down the powerful. It says he already has. It doesn't say that he's going to fill the hungry. It says he has. It doesn't even uh, say that God will come to Israel's aid. It says he has come to aid Israel in its suffering. I want you to notice that before this child is even born, she is already proclaiming that the good news has come. She trusts the good news so much that even though this hasn't happened yet, she is already living as if it has. In 2013, the San Antonio Spurs were playing game six of the NBA Finals against LeBron James and the Miami Heat. Now, I know I just took a wide left turn, but just go with me. It all connects. Now, you have to understand that I am a big San Antonio Spurs fan. I always have been, and I always will be. So here's what happened in those that Finals. So game six, the Spurs are ahead in the series three games to two. And all they need to do is win one out of the next two games to be the NBA champions that year. Well, late in the fourth quarter of game six, the Spurs are up by three, and it seems to everyone like they're about to win it all. In fact, the trophy was even brought out towards the sideline because that is how convinced everyone was that the Spurs were about to win. All the Spurs had to do was catch a rebound, or steal the ball, and the game was over, and they'd be champions. Well, with 10 seconds left, LeBron James shoots a three-pointer to tie the game. He misses, and all the Spurs players attack the basket to get the rebound and secure their win. But the ball took a weird bounce on the rim, and uh, Chris Bosh, their center, tipped the ball out to the corner where Ray Allen was standing. He took a last-second three-pointer with less than six seconds left on the clock, 
And much to everyone's surprise, especially Spurs fans, much to everyone's surprise, he made it and he sent the game into overtime. Now, from that point forward, the Spurs just fell apart. They lost that game in overtime and eventually lost Game 7, and Miami ended up being the champions that year. It was a big travesty for us Spurs fans. Now, let me explain why I share this story. It's probably true, but I don't know for sure, uh, but legend goes that Spurs uh, coach Greg Popovich replayed the game for the team as the preseason began. And then once the game was over, he looked at them and said, Let's get to work. That whole year, that whole season, it was clear to see that this Spurs team was determined and focused. And even though there was still a lot of basketball left to be played, Spurs fans, like myself, had no doubt in their mind that the Spurs were going to make it back to the NBA Finals and avenge their loss to the Heat. And sure enough, they did. In 2014, the Spurs became champions after defeating the Miami Heat four games to one, And all four of those wins were blowout wins. See, sometimes we believe something to be so true that we begin to live as if it has already happened. For me personally, the entire 2014 season, I lived knowing that even though it hadn't happened yet, we would be champions. That there was nothing that was going to stop us from winning the title that year. And the reality is that it's not just in sports. So when I was in grad school, I talked about what I would be doing after seminary as if I had already graduated. In my mind, I had zero doubt that I would graduate. So graduation wasn't even an obstacle, right? So I lived as if I've already uh, finished seminary. Let me give you one more example. For those of you who know what others have gotten you for Christmas, but you're not allowed to open it until Christmas, you are already living as if you already have that gift, even though you don't technically have it yet. You begin to understand this? See, sometimes we know something to be so true that we begin to live our lives as if it has already happened, even though it hasn't. And that's exactly what Mary is doing through this song. The good news of the angel is so powerful to her that even before the baby is born, she is already proclaiming good news for those who need it most. She is so convinced about this good news that before the lowly are brought up, she chooses to live as if it has already happened. She is so convinced about this good news that before the arrogant and the proud are humbled, she chooses to live as if it has already happened. She is so convinced about this good news that before the powerful are brought down, she chooses to live as if it has already happened. She is so convinced about this good news that before the hungry are filled, she chooses to live as if it has already happened. She is so convinced about this good news that even though the Israelites are still experiencing pain and suffering and oppression, she chooses to live as if it has already happened. See, the good news is so powerful that even though the good news hasn't come to full fruition yet, She chooses to live as if it already has. And she lives this way because she knows that nothing is impossible for God. See, it doesn't matter how strong their enemies may be. It doesn't matter how hungry people may be. It doesn't matter how powerful those in charge may seem. It doesn't even matter that the lowly are still in their same struggles. She proclaims that things have changed before they even do. Because she knows that none of this is impossible for God to do. And I think that we are challenged to live the same way. 
We are challenged to live as if the kingdom of God has already been established here on earth as it is in heaven. We're challenged to trust that nothing can stop what God is doing. And it's important that we do because when we live with that assurance, it completely changes our perspective on life. See, when we live life as if heaven has already come, we live aware of the things that don't belong. When we live life as if heaven has already come, we notice those who are hungry and we do something about it. When we live as if heaven has already come, we notice those who are hurting and we do something about it. When we live life as if heaven has already come, we fight for all people to have the same rights. When we live life as if heaven has already come, we don't lose hope because we trust in the one who is bringing heaven will not be stopped. When we live life as if heaven has already come, our agency changes. So let me explain what I mean by this. I I was talking with our team earlier about this, but we all know that the holidays, maybe family is coming into town. And for a couple months, you've been thinking, I really need to get the house clean before so-and-so shows up. And you keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And then eventually it's the week that the people are showing up and you panic. And what do you do? You focus on cleaning the house, right? Yet there's this agency to doing what you know you should have done a long time ago. It's the same thing that is happening here for us. When we uh, live as if heaven is someday distant, someday ahead, then we don't have much agency to make this world better reflect heaven. But when we live as if it's already here, then the agency changes and we begin to to, uh, understand how important it is for us to act now and to live differently now. I'm sure you know this. But the war in the Gaza Strip between Israel and Hamas has been difficult to watch. People are pointing fingers on all sides. People are are convinced that the other is the enemy. People have lost everything, and there is so much pain. The reality is that no matter what you believe about the conflict happening in Gaza, people are dying. People are getting hurt. People are losing sight of the possibility of peace. Because right now, peace seems to be the furthest thing away from possible. But as people living through Advent, as people who are anticipating the birth of the greatest news ever, as people who are called to live knowing that the good news has to be claimed even before it happens, we are called to look at situations like the one in Gaza or Ukraine, situations like our southern border in the U.S., Situations like a rise in crime and mass shootings, situations like homelessness and depression and health issues, we have to live today claiming, before these things are even overturned, that they already have no shot at surviving the good news that it's coming. We are called to proclaim peace, hope, love, joy, forgiveness, and so much more to a world that can easily come to believe that those things are not possible. And we proclaim these things while the world may doubt, because we know that nothing is impossible for God. So may we act with agency, because heaven is here. May it be so. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mid-City Church Sermoncast. If you would like to dive deeper into today's topic, visit midcity.church sermoncast to find a home sheet that goes along with this message.
On the home sheet, you will find scriptures, questions to wrestle with, and a challenge that goes along with this sermon cast. If this has been a helpful resource to help you grow in your faith, we want to invite you to support our ministry here at Mid-City Church by giving today. To give, text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to the number 225-307-0662. Thanks and see you next week.